Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello there. What a week, man. (laughs) I almost wish I recorded this episode, I don't know, three days ago because the excitement, I guess, has worn off of some of the drama. But before I get started, I have a couple of exciting announcements. I recorded a Duggars episode. It's going to be dropping on Patreon, I think either Monday or Tuesday, and then it will be released on like iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, on the regular podcast feed, like a day or two later. I'll post that on my Instagram. Um, Second, tomorrow night, I believe, Princess and I are going to record a Patreon-only bonus episode on Cheer, (laughs) the Netflix documentary that I loved, you loved, we all loved, I think Princess loved. I'm actually not sure if she loved it, but I'll find out when we record it tomorrow night. Um, And that will come out on the Patreon this week. So if you are a patron, which you can find if you go to patreon.com slash v2 coming soon, I think that's the link because we're changing some shit around. I have it linked on my Instagram, which is feathers underscore pod. Yeah, it's patreon.com slash V is in Victor, two is in the number, coming soon. And like I said, you can find the link in my Instagram profile, link in bio, if you will. Uh, So if you are a patron at, I believe, the $5 level, you will get three episodes this week. If you're not a patron, you will get two episodes this week. Also, if you're a patron, you'll get the Duggar episode as soon as it drops. We're going to start... experimenting with that, I think, with releasing some stuff on Patreon first and then putting it out a little later. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of content coming to the to you from me this week, which means I have a lot of recording and editing to do. But you know, it's all good. The Duggar episode is, I think, about two hours long. Um, and I feel like we barely talked about anything. Like there's just so much Duggar to talk about. Uh, I'm really excited for you guys to hear that. I think it was interesting. I love when I can talk about non-teen mom topics. I'm definitely excited to record about cheer with Princess. And you know, it's being Princess, so it'll be a million hours long. (laughs) So if you're not a patron, uh, this would be a good time for you to sign up for the Patreon. You'll get access to all the bonus episodes. There's a ton by Princess, some by me, a ton by Troy. I want to get better about posting bonus episodes It's just hard for me to come up with things to talk about. I'm not the best at recording bonus episodes. Troy and Princess uh, were definitely much better than me, but I am going to make that a goal in 2020. So yeah, come find us on Patreon and you'll get to hear me and Princess talk about cheer. Okay, what's new? I guess I'll start off with the most boring news. Uh, The most boring news this week is that Mackenzie Edwards, Ryan's wife, had their baby girl. Her name is Stella Ray. They spelled Ray, R-H-E-A, which means people are calling her diarrhea. I don't know. Stella Rhea. It's not great. I saw a lot of making fun of the baby's name in a way that, like, 
really made my skin crawl. Like I saw someone on Reddit call her Stella Rehab, which is like really gross. That's a literal newborn child. Um, You don't need to make fun of her dad's drug addiction when it comes to her name. I actually think Stella Ray is quite a nice name. Spelling Ray, R-H-E-A is, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Apparently, it's like a pretty common uh, spelling in the South. And there's a county right by them in Tennessee called Ray County that's spelled that way. I also think middle names, like, I can never harp too much on middle names because it's like they are so fucking meaningless in the real world. (laughs) Like a middle name, like there's nothing more meaningless than a middle name. Like, I'm sorry to break it to all you name nerds out there, but, like, truly nobody cares about a middle name. Um, You know, like, how fucking stupid Baby Lane's middle name is Lane Eddie. Like, Eddie is such a fucking crazy name. Eddie, E-T-T-I-E is an insane name. Um, Sorry, it just is. But I never even think about her having the name Eddie because it's her middle name and it has no relevance whatsoever on that baby and we just call her lane (laughs) so yeah a lot a lot a lot of trashing trashing of Mackenzie for the name choice which to me doesn't make a lot of sense it's a pretty in my opinion non-controversial name I think Stella is really cute I know there's already another Stella in the franchise it's funny that Brie like both of her kids names have been copied by other teen mom people but I think that Stella is a really cute, nice name. It's I think it's pretty trendy right now, but I think it's a name that you can grow up with, and it's nice, and she just spelled it normally. So yeah, mazel tov to the Edwards family. I can't imagine, like, being Mackenzie Edwards. Her life, I feel like, has to be really bad. Like, really bad, right? <sighs> really bad. I... I'm worried about Mackenzie. It's crazy to think she's like 23. She has three kids. She's on her second marriage. Things just don't seem great for her. Um, I'm not, I'm so unsure as to why they chose to have a second baby, (laughs) but they did and the baby's here. So, you know, like congrats to them. I guess we'll see all of that when OG comes back. Still no word on when OG is coming back. I can't remember if I talked about this. Someone speculated that it might not come back until after Siesta Key is done because Siesta Key is playing at 8 and Young and Pregnant is playing at 9. Um, however, they would absolutely just move Young and Pregnant to 10 and put OG at 9. I don't think that that would be a reason to keep OG off the air for so long. Ugh, we really need OG to come back on, even though I don't even like OG, as you all know. I just don't really like this lull. By the way, after I said the word however, I had to pause this because I sneezed about 19 times in a row and now I feel extremely stuffed up. So, you know, why wouldn't I be stuffy like I am every other moment of every other day, even though I happen to not be feeling congested when I started recording this? <laughs> anyway, where was I? I don't know. Oh, we'll be seeing it on Young and Pregnant when Young, or excuse me, on OG when OG comes back. Okay, let's move on to the second most interesting thing that happened this week, which is... Janelle dropped the restraining order against David, and they were pictured together in Nashville, her, Ensley, and David. Now, when she first dropped the restraining order, I thought, okay, you know, who knows what this actually means? Like, this really could just mean that she wants David to be able to see Ensley and maybe take care of Ensley while she gets to do what she wants to do. Um, I was trying to be 
hopeful, (laughs) I guess. It's a silly word to use, (laughs) but I guess that's what it was. I was trying to be hopeful, and then the pictures of her and David hanging out came to light. Uh, I, like... Yeah, it's possible that they were just co-parenting. It's possible that they're just trying to get along. Of course, absolutely. It's possible that Janelle's just trying to, like, keep David happy. I find it very unlikely. Um, I think that they probably... What I would bet is that Janelle went and saw that Herbie guy. Herbie got a taste of the fandom and was like, okay, bye. (laughs) Like, realized that there were articles being written about him. Like, people are pulling up his arrests and questioning his sobriety and, like, talking about his parents and he was like, mm, no, 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 I have no interest in this. I thought I wanted to be famous, but I do not. Because truly, who could blame anyone in that situation for feeling that way? I couldn't. So I kind of have a feeling like Herbie was like, okay, no, I don't want to do this. Like, Janelle, I liked you. I mean, I just literally rolled my eyes saying that. I think Herbie thought he wanted the attention that could come from Janelle And then he realized what it actually was and was like, oh, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. Then I think probably after Herbie dumped her and dumped being a dramatic word, most likely for whatever happened, because I don't think they were like dating. But I would guess after Herbie ended whatever it was, she hit up David and started talking to David again. I think that's like an extremely common thing. It's not surprising to me. It's like... There's nothing that will drive you back to your ex-boyfriend, ex-husband, whatever, more than feeling rejection from someone else. As we all know, Janelle cannot be alone. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if in the past David has repeatedly told her that she will never get anybody else. She has three kids by three men. She is infamous. Like, she saw how the fandom reacted to Herbie and, like, how crazy it was in just a minute, which I think she had to know what happened, but maybe was in denial. So when she saw it actually happening, maybe she had a realization that it was going to be extremely hard for her to date. Um, And this is, like, really sad, but it's not hard to imagine that why they were together. David told her over and over again, you are never going to be able to be with anybody else. You can't leave me because you can only, like, I'm the only person that will put up with you, basically. And this is 100% fan fiction that I'm writing right now, by the way. But I'm aware of it. So I think that if, you know, Janelle really took that to heart and then it kind of happened and it, like, played out exactly kind of like how David said it would, um, maybe she was like, well, I guess I'll go back with David because nobody else is going to have me and we all know that Janelle can't be alone. Do I think that they're, like, together together? Probably. Probably. I would guess that this also means that MTV really has not come back. But also, I don't know, maybe they did and she's, like, been filming or doing whatever and she still, like, prioritized having a guy in her life over making money. Janelle would do that. Um, I think Janelle is a very broken person. I think Janelle is a very toxic person. I think Janelle is a very codependent person. I think Janelle has a lot of mental health issues. And as I said, when this divorce started, when this breakup started, that I did not feel that they would actually break up. Uh, Once again, I am surprised to see a lot of people jump to the, this is a fake breakup situation. Um, I still don't believe that to be true. I believe that Janelle is just 
doing what she always does, which is getting back together with her ex-boyfriends. There has not been a single boyfriend the entire time that we've known Janelle that Janelle hasn't broken up with and gotten back together with. It's just what she does. I do not believe that Janelle would calculate an entire fake divorce in order to get back, like, in order to get back on TV and, like, then would stop that and get back to David. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I just don't, I don't understand and I never have understood these, like, Janelle is faking it to get back, like, on TV and that her and David are faking a divorce. I just really, truly do not believe that. I've never believed it and I still don't believe it. And them being spotted together, Janelle dropping their training order, whatever, like doesn't prove that to me. Also, apparently this is kind of a side note. Doris moved to Nashville, which is why she went there or like Tennessee. Um, I don't know if she's like specifically in Nashville, but Doris moved to Tennessee and has been helping her a lot with the kids, which is why she went there. Because I, I was still curious about why she went there, like why Tennessee of all places um, and that makes a lot of sense to me. And it also makes a lot of sense that uh, Nate was so on board with her being in Tennessee if his mom was there. Because I was kind of wondering how visits were working if Doris was in South Carolina, Janelle was in Tennessee. Was, like, Nate going to Tennessee to see Kaiser was, like, and not going to South Carolina? But now it all makes a lot more sense. Um, apparently, some fucking... Twitter person sent Ashley, Nate's girlfriend, like, a fucking book report about how disappointed she was that Ashley and Nate weren't doing anything about Janelle and David getting back together. And Ashley was like, you can go fuck yourself. Like, we had no idea that was happening. You don't know what you're talking about. And I hate to defend Ashley, but she she was in the right. I can't imagine, like, somebody DMing me literal paragraphs, like, multiple paragraphs on my choices when they truly had no idea what they were talking about. I'm sure Nate and Ashley were blindsided by this. I'm sure Barbara is blindsided by this. I'm sure everybody was blindsided by this. I'm sure Janelle made a decision and executed her decision without thinking about the consequences or how it would impact anybody else. I guess I'm curious to see if Janelle will go back to the land or I can genuinely honestly see them just like abandoning the land totally and maybe convincing themselves that, like, it was the house that was the problem. Like, doing a very, like, drug addict thing where you're like, we're just going to move and, like, everything will be better. <laughs> Every drug addict that's listening to me right now, like, knows exactly what I'm talking about. When you're like, okay, <laughs> here's the thing. I was really just doing drugs because, like, where I was living, who I was hanging out with. Like, I had this whole routine that was in my room. And, like, if I'm not living there anymore and I go live somewhere else, like, I'm not going to do drugs. Um, it's, like, in the rooms, it's called a geography change. It's just, like, an extremely common thing. Usually, it does not work. There's one thing where you, like, actually get sober and you move to, like, start a new life and be in sobriety which is essentially what I did. I moved to Florida, but like I moved to Florida to go to rehab. Then I moved into a sober living house. I worked the steps. I got a job. I made friends. Like I genuinely started a new life. Um, And most people who do geography changes, as we call them, are just like running away from their problems. It can be very beneficial to like remove yourself from where you are if you're trying to get sober, but you actually need to do the work of getting sober. But I do know that like a lot of people and I did it like moving apartments, like I had this idea that like if I moved, 
honestly, a therapist, I'm sure I've talked about this before on the podcast, but like a therapist um, that I was seeing, I like wasn't really honest with her, obviously, but I was like telling her about the weed I smoked and like I was moving apartments and she gave me this idea that like if I just didn't bring any weed with me to the new apartment and like I I like smashed my bong and it was like symbolic and like flushed the rest of my weed down the toilet. I'm sure it was like a gram. Um, that like I would just move to my new apartment and I wouldn't smoke weed anymore. <laughs> like I like and I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like that totally makes sense because she was convinced based on the information I was telling her, but also I just think her like own ignorance that the main reason I was smoking pot was because it was like this bad habit of mine and that I could make a new habit if I moved to my new apartment. And so I was like, yes, this is going to work. I moved into my new apartment, I believe on a Saturday. And then on Monday, I was over at my friend's house after work and they were smoking pot. <laughs> and I really wanted to smoke with them because I was addicted to drugs, including pot. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and somebody was, I was like telling them my thing. And she goes, why don't you just not smoke pot in your apartment, but you can smoke when you're not in your apartment. And I was like, brilliant. I was like, that's it. You figure it out. So I smoked pot there. And then I remember, so that was Monday. And then by like Thursday, if that, maybe Wednesday, I went out and bought an eighth. And then I only uh, would buy rolling papers for a little bit because I still had this idea that like if I just didn't have my bowl or a bong, in my apartment, like, I wouldn't smoke. So, like, I was rolling joints, even though I was, like, never even that good at rolling joints. It was just annoying. Um, And then eventually, of course, I bought a bowl and a new grinder and everything that I needed. (laughs) Because I was a drug addict and moving didn't solve that. (laughs) It wasn't, I wasn't just smoking pot because it was, like, a bad habit. Uh, I was addicted to drugs and I had to get high all the time because I was unable to not get high all the time. So that's, that's why movie didn't help me that time. But when I moved to Florida, it did help because I like actually went to rehab and had resources and was trying. So I can see Janelle and David like kind of convincing themselves that like, especially if things weren't like that bad before they moved and I'm, they still weren't good because I remember that huge blow up they had like right before they moved in. I have a feeling they were pretty volatile right from the jump. But this idea that like, it was the house that made things so bad. And, like, if we're just not in the house, like, we won't have these fights. So I could see David picking up and moving to Nashville with her and them just, like, letting the house get foreclosed on, whatever. Um, I think that would definitely be something that they would do. And it's not going to fix anything. I'm very worried for Janelle. Of course, I'm disappointed in Janelle. But I'm not surprised. And I'm also not, like, that disappointed because at least I knew that they were going to be back together at some point like that was that was known in my head um but of course like it's disappointing because it's sad to watch somebody go back to an abusive relationship I think that although no I understand I was gonna say that anybody that isn't saddened by that like doesn't have empathy but I don't think that's a fair statement for me to make uh even though I love to make (laughs) statements like that I understand why certain people have run out of empathy and caring for Janelle. And I think that's fair. So anyway, I don't really know what's going to happen with Janelle. I think her and David are back together. I, will they stay back together? I don't know. 
I hope she maintains residency in Tennessee so that if she does decide that she wants to leave him, um, she can file in Tennessee because as of now, if they have had sex, which I would be shocked if they didn't, then their time of separation clock has reset in North Carolina. Basically, in North Carolina, you have to be separated for a full year before you're allowed to even file for a divorce. It's horrific. I can't understand any state still having these laws on the book. It's really crazy. And basically, the separation starts like once you make your intent known to the other person that you are separated. However, if you are intimate in any way or you spend the night together, then the clock starts over. And then, I mean, the only thing is, it's like I'm sure there are tons of couples in the state of North Carolina who sleep together during that year. Um, But both mutually decide that they don't want to get back together, so they just don't tell the court about it, you know? Like, they just are like, well, let's just pretend that never happened. However, in a case like Janelle, where David could be really vindictive, he would tell his lawyer, well, we slept together. Look, I have these texts confirming it. Um, So the time would need to start over. She left him in what? October? I should... Let me check. Yeah, okay. At the end of October... So that means she could legally file for divorce in North Carolina at the end of October 2020. However, if she just got back to him, she wouldn't be able to file for divorce till January 21. However, if she is maintaining residency in Tennessee, let's say she went there at the end of October, then she could file file for divorce in Tennessee after six months living there, which would be around April, which obviously is much sooner than the October 2020 date. And much, much sooner than a January 2020 or whenever they decide to, you know, stop hooking up. So, yeah, I hope she stays in Tennessee and that if this is just a lapse in judgment that she stays in Tennessee so she can file a divorce for divorce come spring. Um, if this is not a lapse in judgment, I don't know. I guess I hope they stay in Tennessee just because it won't be as isolated as they are on the land. I don't know, guys. It's really, it's just disheartening to see her go back, but also not surprising in the least. And very, not like a I told you so moment, because I think almost everybody thought this would happen. But also, it doesn't mean that they're going to be back together forever, because they are still volatile. And I think this does show that Janelle has the ability to leave him. Does that make sense? Like, even if this isn't permanent, even if they get back together, it shows that she at least has the gumption in her to move away from him and stay away from him for a couple months. Uh, I think if anybody genuinely wants her to leave David, you better hope that she meets a new guy soon. Next time David has to go back to North Carolina. We don't even know where David is right now. Oh, and David's towing incident, you know, where he towed that guy's truck. Then the guy pressed charges because people online got upset had a court date like two weeks ago and he missed it. So there is a warrant out for his arrest. However, it's a misdemeanor. And if you don't know this, um, they don't come looking for you for misdemeanors. I mean, honestly, even for felony cases, like they're not always going to come look for you. Uh, Warrant hunting is expensive. Basically, it takes a lot of resources that most counties or towns, however you're local police is funded, just don't care to put the effort into. And so there are like tons and tons of people walking around with warrants. Some people don't even realize they have warrants because they miss court dates that they didn't even know about in the first place. Um, But there are a lot of people walking around with warrants and you basically just like, let's say you're stopped in traffic and they run your plate, then you get stopped. Like then you would get arrested there. 
Um, nobody is going to go looking for David for a missed court date on a misdemeanor crime. But if he gets pulled over, eh, that could be another story. If he has to go to court for any reason, um, he could get arrested there. So it's not good to have a warrant. <laughs> you know, it's not good to have a warrant because you get pulled over and instead of just getting a ticket, you have to go to jail <laughs> and deal with that. It's not good to have a warrant, but it's also... I saw people say, like, well, he went to Tennessee to flee the state of North Carolina because of his warrant. But, like, nobody's coming to look for him in the state of North Carolina. Uh, also, he could theoretically get arrested in Tennessee, held in Tennessee, and extradited back to North Carolina. Although that's very unlikely in a misdemeanor case in general. So, yeah, that's what's going on with Janelle and David. I know, like I said, I know a lot of people are upset and disappointed, and I get it. I do get it. And I also understand the people that, like, truly don't give a fuck about Janelle making these decisions and are just, like, so done with her. I think that's also quite a reasonable place to be. So, should we talk about the big news now? Let's talk about the big news right after a quick, quick break. Well, Kale is pregnant, or we think she's pregnant. Basically, here's how it all went down in case you are not online, you weren't paying attention, you don't follow me on Instagram, or you just want to hear me break it all down. So, last Sunday evening, Kale's, Kale's aunt, no, Chris's aunt, who I believe is the one that we've seen on the show, remember she has an aunt that he's close with, I think that's her. By the way, I say aunt. Do you say aunt? <laughs> my sister-in-law says aunt. So my nephew, Leo, calls me auntie, which is funny. But then I'm aunt to my other nieces because we say aunt. Um, also, my brother says aunt. But I guess my nephew's going to say aunt because he calls me auntie. It's quite, quite cute. Um, not even auntie Liz, just auntie. It's very cute. Anyway, so Chris's aunt who Kale's, I guess, close with, decided to post that Kale was pregnant. She posted a picture of a person's hand holding a ultrasound that says, here we go again. Well, actually, it said, here we go ahead, but obviously, it was supposed to say again, uh, due July, I think it said July 23rd. Hold on, let me pull up the exact caption. Yeah, it's due July 25th. And the caption said, want to give a big congratulations to at Kalen's family, which is a Kale fan Instagram account. Apparently, Kale has her blocked on Instagram, but it's so weird to tag that account. I'm not sure why she did that. On the new edition due July 25th, can't wait to meet baby number two for us, four for her, heart laugh or like one eye closed, you know, that emoji with like one eye closed, one eye open and the tongue out, which is a really a truly great emoji. Um, so she posted that, then Teen Mom Shade Room got it, uh, and the aunt commented in the comments, like, yep, I am sick of her, I did it because I can't stand her, basically, uh, because she, you guys have no idea what she's put us through, type of thing. Now, I saw that and was like, I mean, I guess, I think we talked, I know I talked about it because people commented on the 2020 predictions post. Uh, somebody, let me get their exact Instagram name to be very nice. So, okay, Bex had written in when I did my 2020 prediction podcast 
and said that she thought Chris and Kale would get pregnant again. And I said, yeah, <laughs> that totally is believable, totally makes sense. I I know that, like, to me was one of the most, like, not out there, but, like, explosive of the predictions that people wrote in that I was like, yeah, I could see that. Because, you know, it's, like, easy to, like, I don't, not easy, but what am I trying to say? <laughs> I'm all over the place. What I'm trying to say is some of the predictions were, like, Janelle will get back with David or, like, Ch- Chelsea will get pregnant again, which, like, isn't explosive at all because we know she's probably going to have another baby. But, like, Kale getting pregnant again would be kind of explosive, and that's one that I was like, yeah, yeah, I could see that. When I saw this, I was like, that could be true. You know, like, Kale has been extremely open about wanting a fourth, right? Although I bet she'll have a fourth boy, which is crazy. I know a girl that's about to have her fourth boy. My dad is one of four boys. That would be really tough to have four boys. I don't know if I could deal with that. When my best friend had her fourth girl, and I know she was a little bummed out because obviously she wanted to have, not like I need a boy, but I think she wanted a boy because she already had three girls, and it'd be nice to have one of each. Uh, I said to her, well, at least it's not four boys. (laughs) I think it'd be way harder to have four boys than four girls for me. But I, Kale's been very open about wanting to have another child. In the past, she said she wanted another child with Chris. We know that Kale is extremely impulsive. We know that Kale doesn't believe in birth control, apparently. And the idea of Kale getting pregnant with Chris again, like, that to me totally makes sense. It totally checks out. That part was totally believable. I saw the picture and was like, nah, yeah, that could be true. Okay, that could be true. Um, Then the detectives pointed out that Kale had nails, like a manicure that matched that ultrasound picture in December, which is when she would have sent this text. So once I saw the nail matching, you know, the forensic evidence, if you will, I was like, yeah, okay, I believe this. I think that this is true. Um, I still think it's true. Kale has not confirmed anything yet. She still has not confirmed anything, but I am 100% sure that Kale is pregnant, 99% sure. Or I'm 99% sure that Kale got pregnant by Chris again. Now is it possible? I've seen some speculation, like maybe maybe Kale has since gotten an abortion, which I guess is possible. I just think that that's very, very unlikely. Um, I think that Kale has the financial means to have another baby, and I think she would have another baby. Now, what should I talk about first? I guess we'll talk then about, like, the plethora of crazy fucking information that came out in regards to this. And then we'll talk about my thoughts and feelings on it. Because that's why we're all here, right? My thoughts and feelings on everything. I mean, it kind of is. That's why I have a podcast. So I can just, like, extrapolate on how I feel about everything. Okay. So, Kale doesn't confirm anything, as I said. And the Ashley kind of tweeted, like, I have some crazy information. And I was like, all right, bitch. Like, either just confirm if Kale's pregnant or not. I was actually, like, kind of annoyed by her tweet. But then she got some explosive information that, you know what, I'll give the Ashley credit for. You guys know I'm a fan of the Ashley. I know a lot of people are not. But I do think sometimes she, like, will tweet some lame stuff. Uh, but in general, I do like her information. She posted this crazy article, which included that Kale has a current protection order against Chris, which I was really surprised about because she's been, like, tagging Chris and stuff recently. That Chris was arrested twice for domestic violence last October. 
Uh, by the way, according to, I don't know, the internet, if the baby's due around July 25th, then she conceived sometime in late October, early November. And that sometime this fall, Chris and Kale went to court and Chris tried to sign his paternal rights over for Lux, but was denied because, the, like, the judge wouldn't let him because it's very hard to turn your paternal rights over unless there is, like, a, a second parent to step in and adopt them. The court is not a fan of one parent terminating their rights because usually it's kind of just done to, like, get out of having any responsibility for the child. And the court does not like that because if the parent that is maintaining rights, let's be honest, it's usually the mother. Uh, if the mother is unable to support the child, then she'll go on state assistance. The state has to pay. They don't like it. They want a second parent to be responsible for uh, child support, essentially. And even though Kale has the means, uh, I guess she doesn't have enough of means with being able to prove that she'll have means for the next, you know, 17 years or however old Lux is, I guess 15 years, uh, to say that, like, she will never, ever need Chris or the state's help with Lux. <sighs> I wonder if she was, like, a, like, million, like, an Angelina Jolie type of rich if the court would have let Chris do that. That, to me, like... You know the emoji where it's, like, holding its cheeks, like, the home alone face emoji? Like, I was shocked by that one. Shocked. was I wasn't really shocked by the domestic violence stuff because Kale has been talking about Chris being abusive forever. Forever. I'm sure I talked about it on this podcast back when it happened, but do you remember, like, shortly after Lux was born, one of her friends, a source close to Kale, went to the Ashley and said that Chris, like, was hitting her and that he hit her while holding the baby and that he did it in front of MTV people. Like, it's been known. We talked about it when Brie left that comment on Instagram saying that Chris beats her ass, which, as I believe I've maintained this whole time, I've always thought that uh, Brie was aware that she was correct, it was just not right for her to say it in the way that she said it. Like, it didn't need to be said. It didn't need to be said on Instagram. didn't need to be said anywhere. Uh, I remember a lot of people being like, well, Javi must have told her that Chris is abusive. And I was like, no. Kale's been talking about this for a while. But then she was like, Brie was lying, Brie was lying, Brie was lying. Oh, I think Brie said, like, Chris beats her ass in front of her kids or something like that. So she's like, you're lying about my kids. Even though she really wasn't. She wasn't. Um, so Brie was, you know, in the right. As I am sure I'm on record. Brie just shouldn't have said it. It wasn't right to say. You know, there's lots of things that we can say that we're correct about. But <laughs> it's not right to say it. So we've known that Chris is abusive. This is not new. Um, but the fact that Chris tried to sign over his parental rights is like really fucking crazy. And the fact that she's had him in a protect, like, a PFA against him for the last few months, even though we've, like, openly seen her tagging him and stuff, is really crazy. Um, and then on Tuesday, uh, there was a warrant put out against Chris for violating the protection order. I am curious if, um, Kale's, or excuse me, Chris's aunt, posting that and then talking shit about Kale because in her comments she was specifically mentioning like Kale needs to stop like she's done so much to Chris and basically implying that she was doing it as like 
retaliation against Kale on Chris's behalf, which I think a court could see as a third-party violation of a protection from abuse order. I don't know exactly in the state of Delaware, but in the state of Pennsylvania, if you get a PFA, protection from abuse order, which is like a restraining order, that if you get one, uh, like people aren't allowed to contact you on behalf of the person the order is against. So let's say I went and got a PFA against someone named Tim. Now, Tim's sister couldn't get online and be like, fuck Liz Bentley, that fucking bitch got a protection order against Tim. He's innocent. Like, fuck her. Fuck you, Liz. Like, I'm on Tim's side. Like, Tim says, fuck you. Like, you can't, third people can't contact you, basically, on your behalf. Or Tim's sister couldn't call me up and be like, Tim asked me to tell you to go fuck yourself. Like, that would be a violation of the protection from abuse order. They're like that on purpose so that family members and friends of the accused can't come and harass you. Now, I also wouldn't be surprised, though, if Chris was just blowing Kale up when this all came out. Um, I'm, like, very confused. So when I, like, was telling my 2020 predictions, I thought things between Chris and Kale were just, like, on their usual. You know what I mean? Like, their usual on and off again shit. Like, I don't know if I would have predicted a pregnancy if I knew that he had tried to sign his rights away, if I knew that he had been arrested twice in October, if I knew there was an active protection order. (laughs) I would be real, like, that adds a layer to all of this that has, like, quite confounded me. Now, it hasn't actually totally confounded me because here's my thoughts and feelings on this. Should Chris, should Chris, should Kaylee having this baby No. No. Of course not. Duh. The last thing that Kale needs, one, is another baby. Two, another baby by Chris. Like, that is the craziest fucking thing in the world, that she's pregnant again. Uh, When Kale got pregnant with Lux, I was like, what the fuck? I had this, the podcast had just started when it came out that she was pregnant. I remember I had Ryan Bailey on the episode that week. And... Like, that, to me, was crazy when she got pregnant with Lux. And I was like, I really don't understand why she's having this baby. I understand it even less now. But I do think that I understand Kale. I think that Kale is very, very ill. I think that we, in general, we as in all of us, really underestimate, uh, like, Kale's, like, mental health issues. I think Kale is, like, deeply unwell. I think she is extremely codependent, much like Janelle. Um, She's extremely codependent. She's very toxic. Oh, speaking of, just like Janelle. So her friend, Shaniqua, I think her name is, uh, what is her name? I don't have it on any of my, uh, it'll take too long to find it. But Shanika, maybe is her name. It's she's been on um, on episodes, and I guess according someone on Reddit said that she works as a nanny for Kale, which makes sense because Kale always hires her friends as nannies. And she said that Chris tried to strangle Kale and their dog that Kale bought him, which like, uh, what? so that really puts her similar to Janelle, and that she is like a dog murdering significant other. But I think that Kale, I think that Kale gets a lot of heat, obviously, for her decisions. But I think people just think of her as, like, a raging bitch. I think because her life looks decently together and that she has well-behaved kids, 
She has custody of them all. She has, you know, this beautiful new house. She's always had a nice house. Like, Kale's shit has always been, like, kind of together on TV. So I don't think we, like, fully consider just how reckless her impulsive behavior is. And I think that's, like, what people, including myself until just recently, uh, have an issue with understanding. I think it's hard to wrap our heads around just how impulsive of a person Kale is. Uh, if you remember in the past, she was diagnosed as bipolar and then like she went on the doctor's TV show and they said that she wasn't bipolar, so she wasn't bipolar anymore. Um, but I like, I don't know if she is, but I think that Kale like deeply struggles with behavior that like her impulsivity is to an out of control extent. And I think that she does the shit that like, I think that she is so incapable of controlling what she does to a point that it's, like, kind of scary. And I think that she has absolutely no ability to, like, we would call it an AA, like, playing the tape through. So, like, in AA, they talk a lot about how the reason, a way to, like, keep ourselves from drinking once we're able to stop drinking is to play the tape through. So, like, I could be sitting here, I could be like, I really want to fucking drink. And if I play the tape through, I can see, okay, so I'm going to go to the bar and am I going to have one drink? Like, no, I'm going to have six drinks. Then I'm going to drive home drunk. Then I'll probably get a DUI because I'll be driving home drunk. Then, like, my family's going to be really mad at me. And basically be able to think of all the consequences that's going to come from this, like, decision that you want to make. And I think that Kale has absolutely no ability to play the tape through. And I think that instead of sitting down and being like, okay, if I keep having unprotected sex with Chris, which, by the way, like... Those two and their unprotected sex, it's out of fucking control at this point. It's out of control. According to Kale, she's been pregnant by him at least three, maybe four times. If you'll remember, she was, like, kind of unclear before Lux was born. She said she had miscarriages, but it kind of made it sound like she had two miscarriages. Like, post that miscarriage with Javi, pre-Lux being born, she had at least one molar pregnancy. And then she made it sound like she also had another miscarriage. So if, let's say she's had two miscarriages by Chris, Lux, and this baby, that's four fucking pregnancies by Chris. Like, this is not like a Kale's trapping Chris with a baby situation. This is like Chris doesn't give a fuck and has sex with her without a condom all the time. All the time, apparently. I think that, like, Kale, the fact that she's still sleeping with Chris... The fact that she would be bringing another baby into the world with somebody that tried to sign over his paternal rights for the first one is so mind-boggling to me. It's really hard for me to wrap my head around that behavior, and the only way for me to do it is to realize that Kale just has, like, no foresight. Forethought? Foresight, I think. And has just no ability. Sorry, I know I'm sniffling and it's fucking disgusting to hear that in the microphone. But, like, snot is pouring out of my nose and I'm not sure how to stop that. <laughs> I keep pausing to po- to blow my nose and it's not really helping. But I think that Kale is just so completely incapable of realizing, like, the consequences that are going to happen um, I'm very concerned about this domestic violence and what's going on. Apparently, one of the times, I guess, Joe saw it happen, which means that I'm sure Isaac saw it happen and Lincoln saw it happen. It's just, 
And I've seen a lot of comments like, well, if she's if Chris is so abusive, like, why would she go have another baby with him? It's like, because that's how domestic violence works. Um, I think there is not a lot of empathy for Kale being a victim of domestic violence because we've seen her hit Javi on camera. But I don't think that that means that she was hitting Chris. Uh, I don't I don't know what I think about that. I think that I have a lot of empathy for Kale as a victim of domestic violence when it comes to Chris. And I don't have a hard time believing that Chris is the abuser just because, like, I don't know, because I don't, I guess. I don't really have a reason. I just believe that to be true. I am, like, extremely worried about the situation. I think it's, like, very, I think, I think that if he was really arrested twice in one month after he tried to sign his rights away, like, I think that that speaks to, like, a really bad pattern of escalating behavior in a way that is very scary. Um, and I don't, we haven't seen any evidence of Kale being abusive towards Chris, but we've been hearing for three fucking years about Chris being abusive towards her. So in my opinion, like I, it's easy for me to believe that Kale is the victim here and not Chris. I think Kale is so warped and damaged and like obsessed with being with him that she just feels like physically unable to stop trying to be with him. I think it's even sadder that this is all happening with a guy that like won't even claim her. That that claiming sounds really not good in that context, but truly like that's what it is, you know, like it. Wow, I'm about to say something insane. At least Janelle's, like, married to her guy. That sounds crazy. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. I have some fucked up views on relationships, too, I think. But what I'm saying is that, like, Chris won't even call Kale his girlfriend. And she's, like, still wrapped up in, like, this terrible domestic violence situation with him. And she so desperately wants to be with him. And he's abusive. And he won't even, like, commit to her. Does that make sense? I feel like that doesn't really make sense, what I'm saying. And it's actually not good that Janelle's married to her abuser. And that I understand. And I, I'm i I'm listening to myself speak and understanding how fucking crazy I sound. So I'm not sure how to articulate what I'm trying to say. Um, I think part of the reason that Kayla would have another baby with Chris is because she is so desperate to be, like, his number one. Also, this week, some text messages came out between um Chris or Kale and like some other girl Chris was hooking up with and Kale was like he doesn't give a fuck about you he doesn't want to be with you and it's like Kale like he doesn't give a fuck about you oh but I will say I've seen not to contradict myself I have seen a lot of talk online about how Kale doesn't want Chris etc etc but like Chris has been fucking Kale for like five years now do I think Chris loves Kale no do I think Chris like wants to be her boyfriend? No, but I think that Chris is just as involved in, like, whatever bullshit this is as Kale is. Um, I feel like a lot of people see, see it like Chris doesn't even, like, want to know Kale, and I don't think that to be true because he's been fucking her for five years. Um, but yeah, Kale is, you know, like, fighting with these girls, like, but Chris won't even, like, date you. Why are you fighting with a girl that's fucking Chris? Like, when you're not exclusive with Chris. Like, Chris isn't cheating on you because you're not together. Ugh, it's just, it's so 
it's so awful and sad and I feel terrible for her kids. I think that she really is underestimating the amount of damage that she is doing to her sons by being involved in such a tumultuous situation. Um, I believe that Kale does not have the ability to leave this situation, at least right now. Like, I hope she does. But I don't think having another baby by him is going to make it any easier. I think she's proven herself time and time again that she just, like, cannot. She does not have it in her to leave Chris yet. And that is sad. Um, As for why she's like that, this with Chris and doesn't seem to be like this with anyone else... Um, I think part of it is probably the abuse and she hasn't been in a situation like this before. But I think the other part of it is I think it just kills her that he like won't fully be with her. And it's like wanting what she can't have. And I wonder if like it wouldn't have escalated to this situation without like it wouldn't have escalated to the situation if they had just like been a real couple and been fully together and he was on the show and like part of her life and then they just like broke up. Oh, you know, poor Kale. Like I say poor Kale, but then I also, I have a lot of criticism for Kale and what she's doing. And I really think that bringing another baby into this situation is beyond a terrible idea. I feel genuinely sad for the child that is going to be born to this. That poor innocent child did not ask for this. I can't imagine uh, carrying a baby to term Like, I can't imagine getting pregnant and deciding to keep a baby, like, shortly after that same guy tried to sign his fucking rights over for our first child together. I truly, nothing in Kale's life makes a lot of sense to me. None of her decisions make a lot of sense. Um, I think that Kale needs to go to some sort of intense mental health inpatient facility uh, for a while where she can figure some shit out. I think that Kale... I think because her depression and mental health issues manifest as anger, people don't see that is what it is, you know? Like, people see it as her just being an angry bitch instead of realizing that, like, this is her issues, like, bubbling up. As they say, anger is a secondary emotion. So you feel anger because of the other emotions that you're having, which is also usually... Things like fear and sadness, abandonment, stuff like that. Anger is like a response to that. And I think that if Kale was more of a Kate type, where she just like didn't get out of bed and was like so depressed, uh, people would see it for what it was a little more. But it's not. It comes out as anger. Uh, She also doesn't talk about her mental health on the show like almost ever. Um, She's been tweeting about going to therapy Stuff like that. But I think that Kale kind of presenting herself as normal, I use that in quotation marks, makes her behavior seem even more egregious. Because at least even with Amber, like, being as awful as she is, like, we can still, like, talk in depth about, like, how borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder, like, really affect how a person uh, behaves. And we can, like, look at it through that lens, not to excuse it, but to explain it. And I think because Kale doesn't even give us that, it's, like, very hard to watch her make these, like, incredibly bad decisions. Like, her decisions are just, 
she's really hurting herself and she's really hurting her sons and she's really hurting this new baby and it's very sad it's very very sad uh i'm waiting for her to announce it i wonder when she will or if she will or what the plan is i wonder if she wants to do like a kylie jenner situation and just never acknowledge that she's pregnant (laughs) that would be funny (laughs) Ugh, kale 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 I don't know, guys. I don't know what to make of anything she does. I hope she gets help. I hope that she leaves Chris. I hope that she, I don't know, puts this baby up for adoption. Not that she would do that. But, yeah, those are my thoughts on Kale. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens next with her. Okay, let's talk about the Young and Pregnant episode. So, I'll start with Kaya. Kaya's somehow gets back on track she's at the therapist's office still you know she's talking to Tiaza and then she decides to go back in and suddenly she's agreeing to let Carla come back over I was a little confused although I did think it was interesting that she was like I didn't ask to get pregnant I didn't ask him to take the condom off and I was like "Ooh, that's dark that's sad um she agrees to let Carla come over and meet the baby and I was like huh wasn't sure how we got from A to B, but we did get there, and she gets to meet the baby. I will say, Tiaza is so annoying. I don't know how Kaya puts up with her. Tiaza annoys the shit out of me. Watching Tiaza just, like, pout around and stomp around and be like, meh, meh, my feelings are hurt, is really annoying. But... The episode ends happily with Carla getting to come over and meet the baby. I still don't really understand why Kai, like, that's not the way. I was going to say I don't understand why Kaya needs to be around for Carla to meet the baby. Like, obviously, it's her baby. And if she doesn't feel comfortable with Carla meeting the baby, then Carla shouldn't meet the baby. But, like, if she wants Carla to meet the baby and she wants the baby to be in Carla's life, like, she doesn't have to be part of it. Like, Tiffany seems more than willing. Her mom seems more than willing to facilitate these relationships and she should just let her mom handle this and she can have her mom take the baby over to meet Carla for an afternoon and see Carla for lunch and Kaya doesn't have to be involved in it. Tiaz is just like she's really unbearable although I will say that Kaya is like very friendly with Xavion on the phone in a way that if I was Tiaz would probably bother me too But at the end of the day, it's like, well, you're the one that's choosing to be in a relationship with someone that has a newborn with somebody else. And, like, that's just the way it's going to be. And, like, this is your choice. That's what's annoying about Tiaza. Like, I can understand her feelings, but, like, I don't have a lot of empathy for her because, like, this is all a mess of her own making and that, like, nobody's forcing her to be around this. Like, just go leave Tiaza, or excuse me, go leave Kaya and go make... A little family with somebody that doesn't already have a baby. Go have a regular girlfriend and be a regular teenager. So that was it. Not much happened. Actually, not much happened at all in this episode. It was good, though. Oh, I'm not going to... I'm going to talk about Brie right now, but I will say that there's been, like, a lot of Rachel drama online, and some people have asked me about it in messages. And the issue is, is that it's really hard for me to keep up with Rachel's online drama. Okay, Rachel's online drama reminds me a lot of, like, Ashley and Shen, where it's too much to the point that it's not entertaining. I think that this is, like, at least for me, let me know if you guys agree, 
But I have this, like, phenomenon that it has to be the right amount of drama online for me to care. If it's too little, I'm like, meh, don't really care. If it's too much, I'm like, ugh, overload, truly don't care. The type of, the amount of online drama I want is, like, what happened with Kale this week and the pregnancy. I can't have people going on Instagram Live six fucking times a day and be expected to, like, care or follow along with that. Not like you expect me, like the listeners. I just mean, like, the people doing it. So Rachel is, like, fighting with Mallory, and I guess Stephanie, their mom, is on Rachel's side. But it's just, like, constantly every single day they're getting into fights. And I think this is actually also a problem on reality TV in general, and it's why, like, let's say Bad Girls Club got, like, too crazy because when Bad Girls Club first started in, like, the first few seasons, like, there would be fights because, you know, they're the bad girls, but, like, there would still be fun and, like, they would get along and it'd be entertaining to watch, but then it just, like, got too hyped and, like, from the first 30 seconds of them entering the house, there were fist fights and they're all trying too hard to fight and it's just, like, ugh, I don't care. When there's too much fighting, I'm very turned off from something. I think I understand how people feel that way about, like, Rachel and her family on the show as well. That it's just, like, there has to be an equaling out factor of, like, niceness to follow or calmness. When it's, like, constantly, like, fight, 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 fight all the time, it's not entertaining. Then it just becomes sloppy and, like... If you guys will remember when Young and Pregnant first came on, like, we were all super interested in, like, Shen and Ashley and all the fighting they were doing. And then, like, everyone stopped caring. And quickly. Because it was just, like, a constant thing. And it's like, okay, all these people are crazy. I don't care what they're saying. I don't care about the accusations they're making. I don't care about their fights because they're always fighting. Um, if there's no calm period, then the drama isn't exciting. And I truly believe that's an issue with Rachel. I guess I will just talk about Rachel right now since I'm talking about her. Rachel, a lot of times in Rachel's segments, I'm confused about, like, how the fight that's happening came to be. (laughs) Is anyone else having this problem? As I said last week, I'm still not sure that Jacob and Drew are different people. I, right now, could not describe to you what either of them looked like especially Jacob, and I literally three hours ago, like, watched an episode with him. (laughs) Jacob is truly, like, such a non-factor to me. But basically, in this episode, Rachel and Jacob are fighting. I guess Drew keeps trying to come around, and Jacob's mad about it, which to me seems like a reasonable thing to be mad about. But then also at the same time, it's like, well, Drew is Hazley's father. (laughs) Basically, if my understanding is correct, is that Rachel and Jacob were in a relationship. Jacob and Drew were friends. Best friends. Then Rachel started fucking Drew, and that's when she got pregnant. And then Jacob obviously broke up with her. Then she was trying to be with Drew, but Drew didn't want anything to do with her, and so she convinced Jacob to get back together with her. So, like, yeah, it makes sense that Jacob is annoyed that Rachel is talking to Drew again, and Rachel really sums it up that she's like, Drew only likes, like, wants to be involved with Hazley so that we can get back together. <laughs> Seems like all these boys are in love with Rachel, and I'm trying to figure out why. <laughs> I don't quite get it. There's been a lot of drug speculation around Rachel online. A lot of people are saying she smokes meth. 
I don't know. That's another thing. Like, it's hard for me to get a grasp on exactly what Rachel is being accused of or what Mallory's, like, accusing Rachel of. I guess she called Rachel a crackhead, but, like, a crackhead doesn't... Usually, when you call someone a crackhead, like, you're not saying they actually smoke crack. You're just, like, saying they're a crackhead. Like, you get it. So, I don't know. Is Rachel a hard drug user? That one I'm not sure about. Like, she definitely gives off, like, the instability of a hard drug user, but she also gives off the instability of a fucking 17-year-old who was just, like, raised in complete chaos and has no guidance whatsoever in her life. So, in this episode, she is supposed to... She needs to go to Walmart to get formula for the baby. And I guess... Jacob is supposed to be watching the baby. She doesn't want to bring the baby because the baby is just, like, crying, upset, and she just, like, can't deal with bringing a screaming baby into Walmart, which is fair enough. And Jacob, like, won't come inside and watch the baby, so she leaves the baby on... <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. It's not It's not actually funny. Um, But she leaves the baby, like, on the couch with the, the leg... What would that be called? The leg rest? I don't think that's the right word. But with the leg rest, like, up in the air and, like, leaves the baby, like, truly on the side of the couch. Like, one tiny turn of this poor little baby's body and she would be off the couch. Now, would she be okay? Like, hopefully. Uh, it was very reminiscent of early seasons Farah, just, like, leaving Sophia outside the door or, like, in the sink with the water running. <laughs> remember? It was, like, very, very much like that. It wasn't good. Even Stephanie was, like, saying online that MTV was there and watching her, and Shen was like, no love, like, you can't trust those cameras. They're busy getting the shot. Like, they're not watching your baby. It's like, yikes, Shen's agreeing that, like, your daughter fucked up. Things are bad. Um, Rachel leaving the baby on the side of that couch was not good. Not good. Uh, I just don't, like, I'm watching her and Jacob fight, and I understand it's not her talking to Drew, but, like, the fights escalate so quickly, they come out of nowhere. I still, like, can barely see Jacob on my screen. It's like he's a translucent figure to me. So I just feel so dazed and confused when they're happening. Like, a little later in the episode, they are somehow at this pond and Jacob is outside fishing and Rachel is flipping out because it's I, I mean it's the middle of fucking summer in Tennessee and she's like it's too hot for the baby to be out here which is probably very true but like why did you go to the pond in the first place and I guess she wants Jacob to hang out with her but I'm like hang out with her where like sitting in the car it none of their fights make sense Rachel's a very rational person like she's a very rational person she makes very little sense to me and she is just, like, screaming at Jacob. Jacob is screaming back at her. She tells Jacob he's a piece of shit, and she's going to put all her, his stuff out in the front yard and burn it, which I'm like, well, get that on camera. Like, make sure to show that. We're going to have a real waiting to exhale moment. Like, please, please give that to us. Uh, Jacob says that she's a slut and that maybe next time she gets pregnant, she'll know who the dad is, which is like, whew. That's a crazy thing to say to someone. <laughs> that was tough. How do you come back from that? <laughs> I'm not sure how one comes back from their boyfriend telling them that. 
They're just, like, literally screaming at each other that they want the other one to die, basically. They're just screaming and screaming. And I'm sitting here as a viewer, like, where is this fight coming from? Like, I just don't understand. I feel like that's always Rachel. I feel like everything is, like, when I'm watching her scenes, like, things seem fine. And then you just see her get so annoyed. And then you see, like, a huge explosion of anger. And she's having a fight with someone. And as the viewer, I'm always like, what? How did we get here? It's very confusing. Um, I'm a little worried that they're going to go too far into what they're doing online on the show, that it's just going to be too much drama for them to be really entertaining. I still think that they should have made Mallory the main mom. Um, I think Mallory is more interesting. I think she is a little more likable in that, like, I think she's, like, funnier. This sounds awful, but I think she's, like, funnier and she's prettier. And she's, like, a little easier to digest, even though she's, like, a terrible mom and doing terrible things. I think Rachel's, like, unexplainable, explosive anger just, like, isn't that appealing for me to watch. And I wish that we were following Mallory around. Like, what's Mallory doing all day? Like, we saw her for a minute in this episode. I was like, ooh, Mallory's here. Like, let's see what Mal's doing. Like, I care about Mallory a lot more than I care about Rachel. Okay. Brie. Gotta say it again. Time for Brie to go. Truly nothing. Nothing happened in this episode. Although, I mean, this whole episode was about Brayson being disabled and how incredible it is to watch him, like, totally adapt to having, um only having one full arm. I was going to say only having one arm, but that's not true. He just has a nub on one arm and they showed us like he uses his nub to like push stuff around and it's really cute. And Bree does not want to get him like a full-time prosthetic until he's old enough to decide that he wants one for himself. And I think that that's, I mean, I, what do I really know about this? But I think that what she said made sense. I think the fact that since he was born this way, like, he's just going to grow up and be able to do most things that people with two full arms can do because he's going to learn every moment of his life how to adapt and how to use his body the way that it is to work. Well, there'll be certain things that he struggles with, like, yeah, because that's just, like, physics or whatever. Like, you can't, you know what I mean? Like, there's certain things that he will not be able to do, but I think the majority of things in this world he will be able to do and he is learning and adapting I think I think it's nice in this episode that we focus on this for sure I think it was like a nice change of pace from like the dad the baby daddy drama and the Brie being depressed storyline but there also just like doesn't leave that much to think or talk about as a viewer it's just like oh that's cute that's cute that's nice that's cute which like is not great on a show like Young and Pregnant, I guess. Um, We do see he's able to get, like, a prosthetic built into his tricycle. And I guess the idea is that he puts his nub into the, the end of this prosthetic and then he's able to use that arm to, like, direct the bike, which is very cute and cool. And I think it's, I think I will say that I think Brie handles having a disabled child very well. She seems really encouraging of him. She seems really like she wants what's best for him and is making thoughtful decisions for him. And Jessica, there was a scene where they 
Jessica was like, I'm really proud of your maturity and you've really stepped it up with Brayson because our whole family thought I was going to be the one that had to raise Brayson. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but like, and Jessica was like, and I'm really proud of you that that didn't happen. Um, and I'm proud of Brie too. <laughs> I think Brie tries her best with Brayson and I think she does a pretty good job. I just don't think she's that compelling for TV anymore. I think without Milo there, we've really just, like, lost the spark and have never gained it back. And I wonder if Milo wasn't involved in the beginning if she ever would have been cast. You know? Like, I just think that she's not very dynamic on her own. Okay, let's chat about Ashley. So, poor Ashley. Her grandmother suddenly died. Did you guys notice when they showed that picture of her grandma, like... How she looked exactly like Ashley's uh, sister, Chris. Like, they are spitting images of each other. They are really sad. T, I think this is the first time we, like, really have seen T without, like, any makeup on. Like, totally beat down. Uh, I felt it was sad. It was hard to watch. You could tell that they were all devastated. She unexpectedly passed away. And T was, like, just besides herself. And Ashley was beside herself. And I really genuinely felt for them. Um... I, like, I can't imagine, you know, this is all happening. Like, I can't imagine that you and your boyfriend have this huge falling out. He, like, doesn't want anything to do with his child. And then your grandma dies, like, immediately. I really had a lot of empathy for Ashley in this episode. Uh, Basically, what she says happens when it came to the DNA test, which maybe they said this last week, but I'm not sure I heard it last week, was that Ashley said to him, like, you're not her, you don't act like her father. Like, you shouldn't call yourself her father because you don't act like her father. Like, you shouldn't claim her because you don't step up and act like a dad. And I guess what Barr heard was, you're not her dad. (laughs) But Ashley's like, that's fucking bullshit. He knew exactly what I was saying. He just asked for a DNA test to be mean. And I think I believe Ashley here because, like, by the, you know... As soon as we see Barr, Barr's like, yeah, I'm willing to drop this. (laughs) I don't think Barr ever truly thought she was saying, like, you're not Holly's dad. Although, Barr did say that Holly's a spitting image of him, except I think Holly looks exactly like Pastor T. Not like Barr so much. Because Barr looks like his mom. And I don't think Holly looks like them. I think Holly looks exactly like T. Like, there's a picture they posted of Holly in a wig, which was so fucking funny and cute. And she looked exactly like Pastor T. It was, like, startling how much they looked alike. But if I was Ashley, like, I would be, I'd be so fucking over it with Barr. And watching all of this and knowing she, like, gets back with him, even though they're, like, still doing that thing, like, we're not together. I'm single. We're not together. It's like, oh, get fucked. Get fucked. Ugh, I can't. They're just gonna be doing this forever. Um, so Bar goes out for lunch with a friend, and he explains that he heard Ashley say that's not your kid, but because now Ashley has been like, okay, go fuck yourself. You can't see your daughter. He's like going to take it back. He's like, well, I mean, if I have to say like, oh, no, 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 forget about the DNA test, then like, I'm going to say that. And I guess he does. But Ashley explains to T. And I think Ashley and I like have similar mindsets about some things where she's like, we can't walk back from that. And I was like, finally, someone on this show acknowledges that like certain things like you can't say and then take back. (laughs) 
Although we know that she does eventually let him take it back. But I was proud that she was like, no, no, you don't get to just say like, you don't get to just say like, okay, we take it back because that's not, that's not some shit that you can just take back. Ashley has decided that she is only going to let Barr see Holly if Barr goes to court and establishes visitations. <laughs> I laugh because that's like, that's a cruel ass gesture for Ashley because she knows Barr is never going to court ever because Barr doesn't do anything ever. And that's why they're not together because Barr won't take any ownership for anything in his entire fucking life. So when she says like, well, I guess you'll have to go to court to see what she's really saying. is like, go fuck yourself. You're never going to see this baby again. T does say, like, what a time for Barr to have uh, fucked up and dipped out of our lives right when my mother died. That made me sad. <sighs> Barr and Ashley, Barr and Ashley. What a mess, those two. What a mess. I guarantee you, like, for Holly's entire life, like, Barr will never set foot in a courthouse to pursue anything related to her. At some point... Ashley may find herself in a courthouse trying to get court-ordered child support. I could see that happening. Like, Ashley will go to court all day. Like, Ashley, like, is that friend where you're like, will you go to court with me to help me? And she'd be like, uh-huh. Like, Ashley will, like, get on her computer and, like, find a link that you need. And Ashley, like, you do something to Ashley, like, she will not hesitate to call the police or to get the court involved or to, like, do what she needs to do to make sure shit, shit, shit is taken care of. Like, Barr, on the other hand, will never see the inside of a courthouse when it comes to that kid unless, like, he's dragged there kicking and screaming. And that's another reason why they're just never going to work in the long run and they're going to go back and forth. And Ashley, th- their whole relationship for however long they do what they do is going to be Ashley, like, begging him to be a good dad and to help her and bar refusing, essentially. That's going to be their whole life. It's going to be forever. Ashley, I really like want to root for Ashley and I want to see her do better. I think that Ashley is very frustrating because I think in a lot of ways she's like Kale, where I see her potential to thrive and I see her potential to succeed. And I think that if she could just get a handle on her impulsive behavior and her issues involving like why she is such a deadbeat boyfriend and she could like figure that shit out I think she could be like very successful and live like a normal good life but I think she has issues and can't and that makes her hard to root for and it makes her like easy to hate in the same way that Kayla's like I've talked about on this podcast like one of the reasons that Kayla is so hateable is because you feel like She's so close to getting it and continuously fucks up and makes terrible choices. And that's how I feel about Ashley. Like, I think Ashley's quite smart. I mean, she's beautiful. I think she's funny. She's personable. Uh, Like, she's quick-witted. She's a little edgy. And I think she could really make something of herself if she could actually follow through on, like, cleaning up her life. But I think she doesn't for whatever reason, is just, like, kind of addicted to bar and is codependent and has no idea on how to, like, break her codependent relationships and break the toxicity from her life. And it's just going to continue to drag her down and continue to put her in bad positions. Um, I really hope that she's an IUD so that she doesn't get pregnant by bar again. Uh, like, I, I really hope that. I really hope that to be the case, that she doesn't get pregnant by him again. Um, I would love to see Ashley, like, Maybe go 
become an actual nurse. Like, I know she's getting her medical assistant certificate, but I would like to see her, like, go to nursing school or start a business. I think that she has that in her. She just, like, is going to continuously make bad choices in her relationship that's going to fuck up everything else in her life. And it's going to be over and over again. And now she's not that young. Like, she's not... She's still young. Like, she's in her early 20s. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think she's 23. So she's young, but she's also not 17. You know? Like, there is a difference between the 23, 24-year-old fuck-up and the 16, 17, 18 fuck-up. And I really hope maybe in her late 20s she'll be able to... By the time she hits her late 20s, like Kale's age, she'll be able to fix some of this shit. But I just don't have high, high hopes for her. Um, I also think that there is some sort of substance abuse thing going on, as I've said in the past, that she manages to cover up on the show, but it comes out online and on that reunion. Okay, last but not least, we got, in my opinion, like a great Kayla and Stefan segment. (laughs) Basically, Stefan and his girlfriend decide they really still want to sit down with Kayla and Luke, and Kayla agrees to it. We find out that Madison, Stefan's girlfriend, has been fucking around with Stefan since Kayla was pregnant, and while Kayla was pregnant, Madison threatened to beat the shit out of Kayla, causing her to have a miscarriage. I laugh because that's just, like, such a fucking wild thing to say to somebody. Like, it's so insane to say that to somebody. Like, no matter how heated you get to, like, threaten to make someone lose their child is so wild. And then to think that, like, that person's going to let you be around that child and, like, things are just going to be cool. (laughs) That's a really silly thing to say. That's really, that's a silly position to have in life. (laughs) You're quite silly if you think that that's going to be happening. Um, So they all agree to go meet up and they meet up and honestly, it's really good. (laughs) It's really quite good in my opinion. Um, Oh, also before they go meet up, Luke's like, well, you know, if he gets out of line, I'm going to put my hands on him. And it's like, what? (laughs) First of all, Luke, like, don't you have a scholarship? Like, don't fight with Stefan. Like, no, 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 no. Nothing about Stefan is worth fighting over. So they go and they sit down and Madison, like, tries to break the ice by being like, I thought it'd be nicer out today. There's no sun. (laughs) Kayla just sits there, like, dead-faced. Kayla, like, really cracked me up in this episode. I'm not always a fan of Kayla. And as I've said, I have a lot of issues with her cultural appropriation and the black scent that she does and I have like a lot of issues with Kayla but I I couldn't help but root for her in this scene uh because Stefan and Madison were so out of line and Kayla pretty much kept her cool in a way that I was like impressed by so Stefan says he just wants to sit down and clear the tension he says there's a lot of disrespect being thrown around And first of all, I'm surprised that didn't set Kayla off because if I heard that, I would say, who's being disrespectful? Because Stefan is the only one that's being fucking disrespectful. Kayla's not being disrespectful towards Stefan and Luke isn't even really involved in this. Um, Kayla, Madison says that she wants it to get better and Kayla's like, yeah, okay, but like, I feel like 
there are things that have been said that have been cro- like that crossed the line and we can't walk back. And Stefan's like, you've said things too. And Kayla's like, no, not like you two have crossed the line. Like Kayla's like, no, no, I'm not going to let you do that. And Kayla brings up the miscarriage thing. And Madison's like, no, I didn't say that. Madison was like, you came in and you said that when you weren't pregnant anymore, you were going to beat my ass. And Kayla just calmly looks at Stefan and goes, Stefan, you were there. You know what she said. And Stefan doesn't say a word. And I was like, oh, she did say it. (laughs) Stefan was like, didn't say shit. And Madison was like, no, no, I didn't say that. And Kayla's like, yes, you did. Stefan, you know she said it. Like, she says it again. And Stefan goes, okay, a lot of people said a lot of things both days. (laughs) He says, you both said some reckless things. And Kayla's like, "Uh uh-huh. When Stefan said that, I was like, damn, he wasn't even going to lie for Madison and pretend like he didn't know that she said it. Because I'm sure this was, like, a topic that they talked a lot about and Stefan hasn't denied it in the past. So, like, I think he probably kind of knew he was trapped and that he wasn't going to be able to deny that Madison said this. And Kayla's like, well, I don't really play when it comes to Isaiah and I don't trust you around Isaiah and I don't want you to be around Isaiah. And Madison's like, oh, that's how you're going to act? And she goes, so do you think in the future you're going to have full custody of that kid, of this kid? And Kayla's like, I have full custody right now. And Madison's like, okay, well, when he takes you to court and gets joint custody, and Kayla goes, okay, Stefan, are you going to take me to court? Your girl wants you to take me to court. (laughs) Oh, it was really funny. Uh Kale's like, Stefan and I have agreed on supervised visits. And Madison's like, well, if you're saying some who someone that he's with can't be around, that's an issue. And Kale's like, why is it an issue? Like, Stefan doesn't have a relationship with Isaiah. He needs to be working on building a relationship with Isaiah and not with you building a relationship with out or with Isaiah. Like, you don't need to be involved in this at all. And honestly, like, Kale's in the right. I probably wouldn't let my son be around somebody who said they would beat me up until I miscarried. But even if, like, that's not in the picture, like, Stefan needs to have supervised visits and they need to, like, be for a while with just him. Like, his girlfriend doesn't need to have any part of this. Like, maybe in a year when he's proved himself, like, then we can revisit. If I was Kayla, I'd be like, what the fuck is she even doing here? The fact that Kayla agreed to sit down with Madison was pretty big of her. So Madison says, you won't let him. (laughs) Says that Kayla will not let Stefan have a relationship with him, which is like crazy. Like even Stefan at this moment, I think Stefan had an out-of-body experience and like was actually listening to what Madison said and like understood how crazy it was, what he was, what she was like accusing him of or accusing Kayla of and like realized that no person could agree with what Madison was saying. And Madison's probably heated because she's really just repeating all the shit that Stefan and her talk about when Kayla's not there. But Stefan's like, okay, okay, this is just going around in a circle. This isn't going to fix anything. We can't talk about the past. And he says, like, he just wants to be there for Isaiah. He wants to be Isaiah's dad. He doesn't want to be, like, his own dad. And he just wants to be a father. And that's kind of where it ends. And that's, like, the conclusion of it. I just thought it was so silly 
the whole thing. Like, the whole meeting was so silly. I bet Madison, like, when they got in the car, was like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> Madison's probably like, I was just repeating everything you said, and you didn't back me up at all. If I was Madison, I was he- I'd was i be heated. If I was Kayla, I'd be heated. Stefan and I have no words for. And, yeah, I'm curious to see, like, where, what the outcome of this will be. I'm sure nothing. But when Kayla, like, turned to him and said, are you going to take me to court? Your girl wants, your girl wants you to take me to court. I thought that was pretty good. (laughs) Kayla, I was pretty impressed. Anyway, that's it for this week. Don't forget, come to the Patreon, patreon.com slash v2 coming soon. You'll get first access to the Duggar episode. You'll get the cheer episode when that drops. If not, I will talk to you guys next week. Have a good week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos 